kicking off hour number three of the show here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 6640 North Durango, Centennial Hills. Every single Friday, we are at a different Buffalo Wild Wings on a little bit of a Buffalo Wild Wing tour. And right now, all the TV screens got either some hoop action on it, sports centers on it, got some hockey action going on, a little, oh, a little action going on at the, uh, at the DLC. That's a re-air. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, wait, hold on. It's a re-air, but uh, there's all kind of different action going on on all these different TV screens. So uh, come on by and uh, kick off your weekend the right way with us and uh, enjoy some of these drink specials, food specials. And, of course, we have a bunch of tickets that we're giving out and a bunch of prizes that we have here at the table. Again, we're here till 5 o'clock. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our friend Robert in Portland. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm real worried. Uh this game is almost a setup. Uh, I think that what happened a few years ago, remember when you guys remember when uh, he got hurt? You know, Cart DC got hurt, yeah. broke his leg in Denver. If they don't establish a run, I think that this coach is going to rev them up and the defense is going to be the Denver. I'm talking about the Denver defense, not necessarily their offense because. With Judy Hurt, it's going to be tough for them. But I think it's going to be a, a real battle and a real war, and I just don't want to see D, D.C. get, you know, pile-drive when Illuminor misses a block or, you know, James doesn't do his job up front. But I got a real sick feeling about this game. I know that's too depressing in this tough year, but it, Jacobs is up for this game. I know he wants to run the ball, and they are better uh, – rushing offensive line and a passing offensive line. I just think they may get behind if they don't get a turnover. What do you think, guys? Thank you for the call. Uh, I do appreciate you, my man. And Carr got hurt in, in Oakland at the uh, against the Colts. That was on Christmas Eve uh, back in 2016. I was at that game. Remember that like it was yesterday. And then they went to Denver after that, and they had who? Matt McGloin? I think he was the backup quarterback at the time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I I mean, I, I can never estimate, you know, a guy getting potentially hurt or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'll never put that out there in the universe because uh, all these guys are one play away. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I think that the, the biggest key to this game, as far as I'm concerned, is I think that the Denver defense is going to try to do everything in their willpower to slow down Josh Jacobs because he has had their his way with them. I mean, the last, what, five or six times he's played them, and he's just been, just been an animal against them. So they know that. They know that just like we know that. So at some point, they're going to say, hey, you know what? We've got to stop that dude and make someone else beat us. Uh, I'm a little concerned looking at the injury report about Devontae Adams being, uh, you know, questionable because, he, you know, that if he misses the game and Waller's out and Renfro's out, then what? Right? Then you have the Mac Hollins and Keelan Cole show. Right? I mean, that's when all of a sudden your depth is really challenged. You know, so you can't really afford to have Devontae Adams out, but – I mean, he potentially could be out. So that would be a big blow to the Raiders' offense. And then if he were to be out, if I'm, if I'm the Broncos' defense, I'm loading up the box and I'm making sure I'm not getting beat by Josh Jacobs. I'm making anyone beat me but Josh Jacobs, right? I mean, that, that would be my approach, but I'm not a coach. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude with the observation. That's how, that's how I, would, I would play it. So Devontae Adams being available for this game is, is, is major. And look. Denver wants to win. You know, JT's talked about it so many times on his show that one of the reasons why Vic Fangio got fired is he couldn't beat the Raiders. I mean, JT's brought that up multiple times on his show. And that's not something that he just pulled out of his backside. That's something that someone in the building has told him. 
You know, I mean, that, that's the thing about it. Like, we don't make up stuff and just throw it out there to you. We, uh, you know, have stuff on our mind, and, and, and we hear stuff, and we bring to the table what we can bring to the table. And so, you know, that's an interesting little note there that JT has brought up multiple times. So I know Nathaniel Hackett is a new coach. I know this is a new ownership that Denver has. But I'm sure the storyline still remains. I'm sure they're in Denver, and we have plenty of people that call in from Denver and say, hey, they're looking at this game as a, as a must-win game, not just for the sake of winning the game, but also for the coach who could be on the outside looking in. Black Friday might come, or Black Monday. Black Friday, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving already. Black Monday might come quick. You know, it might come sooner rather than later for Nathaniel Hackett if he doesn't get it done. And then you think about him opposed to Josh McDaniels. He was brought in to elevate that offense. Right. Basically, just don't mess up the defense. Maybe people were expecting there might be a little bit of a regression now that Vic Vangio is not there. But the defense, he had nothing to worry about. Those guys are still going to be studs on the other side of the ball. He was brought in to make that offense better. And that offense is even worse with Russell Wilson than it was with Drew Locke. So he should be on the hot seat if you ask me. I know, like you say, hey, a coach, one season, you know, got to get his time, their system, get everything in place. But for him, I think that he's done an even worse job than Josh McDaniels. I know wins, you know, wins are the end-all, be-all when it comes to this industry. But when it comes to what he was actually brought in to do, he hasn't been able to provide or deliver at that at all to me. Right. No doubt. No doubt. So, see you later. Appreciate you coming by. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's – I'm, I'm, this is, you know, going back to that call – from Robert, it's very interesting. It is a very interesting game, you know, because, again, uh, I thought that, that that Denver Bronco defense would take a, a slight step back due to the fact that, you know, Vic Fangio wasn't there. I remember that was one of the storylines, DeMond, that, that, you know, you brought up, not just now, but you brought up uh, when we were doing previews during the summertime. You know, hey, how much do you expect that defense to take a step back? And they've, they've found a way to not only maintain, but in some instances get better, right? So this is, a, this is an intriguing game. Again, I don't think there's any reason why the Raiders lose except for, well, you know, it's on the road. <laughs> you know, it's against a, a division rival. It's obviously not going to be easy. They have a tough defense. But, I, I, you know, I feel like if Devontae is healthy and this team goes out there and they, they look like what we expect them to look like and they play a consistent game, they should win. But, again, I mean, they got to go out there and execute. Yeah, like you said, that's a big if if Devontae yeah. Adams is healthy. But I do expect him to play. But for me, the big – key to this game, and I know some people don't want to hear it because, hey, this offense was supposed to be scoring 35 points a game. It's got to be the defense. Denver had their highest scoring total, even in a loss, against the Raiders. So there was something yeah, there that they true. were able to do to be successful. We saw it last last week with the Colts. I got to go back to that. The lowest scoring points per game offense in the league somehow had their best game when it came to moving that football and getting it into the end zone against the Raiders. So just so don't talk about the defense. Talk about the offense. Yeah, because this defense, this is one of the best defenses in the league. Like, what should we expect from this Raiders offense, even though that they have at times also been struggling, that failure to execute? Hey, if they put up 24 points, I think they should be able to just sit back, hey, wipe the hands, we're good. We did our part against this Denver defense. But it's going to be up to this Raider defense. How well are they going to be able to stop that Denver Broncos offense? Get them off the field on third downs. Stop the run. Russell Wilson, is he going to be, be able to attack them against the middle of the field because he does not attack the middle of the field that much, but maybe it could be something that he says, hey, everybody's been doing it against the Raiders. We know where their weakest at. But right. it's something that he doesn't do. I think that's going to work in the Raiders' favor when it comes to the defense. The fact that, hey, their weak spot, it's something that he's not looking at anyways. 
No, that's true, because that middle of the field has been wide open. It really is. And uh, the good thing for the Raiders is that Russell Wilson is not looking to the middle of the field. I mean, he really wants to – the thing about Russell Wilson, I think he's his own worst enemy. And what I mean by that is I think he's a hell of a quarterback. I really do. Uh, I've always liked Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson coming out of college. I just think that he wants to be in the same conversation with some of the best of the best quarterbacks, which is nothing wrong with that. Who wouldn't want to be in that conversation? But he wants to show what he can do and that he's on their level. And the thing about Russell Wilson, he has a very pretty deep ball. He does. I mean, he has a very pretty deep ball. I think one of the best deep balls in the game. But he wants to do that all the time. When they say let Russ cook, like that's what he wants. He wants to be able to do this. So he's not really looking at trying to do the little you know, intermediate stuff. And I mean, he wants to stretch the field. He wants to be that guy. And, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think at, at times that's a detriment to him. That, that's a, that, that he fails at, at, at times because that's what he's trying. He's trying to do that too much instead of just taking what is there. And with the Raiders, when it comes to their defense, it's there. The, op- the middle of the field is always wide open. And just to go back to Russell Wilson, this is just going to be the Russell Wilson part of the show. And the Seattle Seahawks with a quarterback who just does what the offense asks you to do. They're 6-4 and and they're leading the division. With someone who's not trying to improvise, who's not trying to go for the home run on every play, you see that, at least with that Seahawks system, hey, they're 6-4, and they're above 500 with Geno Smith just doing what the team asks of him. And so with Russell Wilson, like you said, he's his own worst enemy. A lot of the times when you hear the people who are a lot smarter about football than you and I talk about the game, they say, hey, sacks are quarterback stat. And Russell Wilson is one of those quarterbacks where it's a prime example. He's getting sacked most of the time because he doesn't want to get rid of the ball. He's trying to improvise in the backfield and make that magical play happen. And that's what leads to Russell Wilson getting sacked. I think the Raiders had three sacks against him that first game out this season. Maybe they'll be able to replicate some of that because he's going to pat, pat, pat and just wait for that magical play to open up down the field. And I know, I, I, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Chandler Jones, I kept predicting, hey, the Texans game, he's going to have a big game. The Saints yeah. game, he could have a big game. I'm not saying this could be the, hey, Chandler Jones multiple sack game this season, but he's got a good shot. I would just like to see him step up. I would just like to see him step up and, and have a good game. And, again, I think he had a good game against Denver the first time. You know, because there's multiple times the, the Broncos' offensive line were called for holding. And that was because Chandler Jones was getting home. I would just like to see him do it again. You know, I, I just, I really would. I would like to see him, you know, just show up a little bit. Right? They, the Raiders gave him a whole lot of money. He's got a big, fat contract. We were going back to talking about defense and the, and, and, and the money that's been spent. He's one of the guys who has had a lot of money spent on him. And he hasn't lived up to it. I think that's fair to say. I think that's that's absolutely fair. Yeah, the worst stat that we saw this week, because there are always stats you can look at and say, oh, that's interesting. That's a cool stat. Max Crosby accounting for 70% yeah. of the Raiders' sacks this season. Right. And it's that's not a good thing. Even if Max Crosby was a world beater, but that just shows you that no one else on the entire defense, defensive line included, across from him on the edge with Chandler Jones, is doing anything to get after the quarterback. Because at this rate, let's say if Max Crosby finishes with 14 sacks on the season, that means that the entire Raiders team is only, dang, I can't, I'd have to do the math, go to the calculator on that because they would still be under if he's over 70% of the sacks. And if he doubles what he has now, that's still a little bit over 20, maybe 23 sacks is what the Raiders would finish the season with at this rate. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Rob in Oakland hit us up on the 
Text line at 69187, keyword R&R. I think there's a legitimate discussion about the way the salary cap has been distributed between offense and defense. I agree there's a general lack of physical talent on the defense. Irrespective of that, many of the players on defense are just not bringing energy and aggression for significant parts of the game. No matter what they're getting paid, I won't cut them any slack for not bringing fire to the game. That's Rob in Oakland. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Rob just said it better than me. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what your salary is. If you're on defense, you should, you should go out there and do what you do. If you're on offense, you should be doing what you do too. We've all been critical of the offensive line, right? Every one of us, including myself, has said Jermaine Illuminor is a good guy. He's a good, you know, quote in the locker room, but he probably shouldn't be starting. That's why I said specifically this week, one of the things I'd like to see is Thayer Munford, right? I said that. I said that on the show. Would love to see Thayer Munford. I said back <laughs> before the season started, DeMar, what did I say about the offensive line and this whole rotation? I guess I lost DeMar. Oh, he's on the phone. Sorry, DeMar. <laughs> <I was, laughs> anyway, going back to what I said about the offensive line and the rotation, I said it was a terrible idea from the jump. From the jump. I thought it was an awful idea when the, the whole idea was even floated that direction. Tomorrow, how many weeks did I say on top of weeks, on top of weeks, did I say you cannot have a rotation offensive line? You have to have some kind of cohesiveness, and you've got to know from the jump who your five guys are going to be. You said it from the start, and then it was put even into better perspective with Greeny from ESPN when he said, hey, if you got seven, you don't have five. Exactly. And exactly. we've seen that. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's real. You know, and so that's, that's the thing about it, man. I mean, and that's why I try to bring other conversations, you know, with, without – Without being disrespectful, even though it ends up get, becoming disrespectful at times, I try to hear everyone out, try to have their conversation, have, try to have a legit conversation, but I also try not to do the same old thing every single day. And I realize, Tom, you probably don't listen every day. I get it. But when I specifically pick, hey, I'm going to talk about defense today, it's for a reason. Because we talked a lot of offense. We talked about, you know, getting behind the sticks and third and 30 and second and 30 and how you don't have a play for that. You know, the lack of execution. We talk about that all the time. Spend a whole day talking about Darren Waller and the fact that what he's, what he's, what's going on with him missing. Talked about the return on investment. We've talked about the return on investment. That's what I'm saying. I've talked about the fact that Waller, Renfro, Adams, Carr, all got paid in the offseason, and it's not, it's not turning into what it's supposed to be. We've, we've talked about that. My job every single day is to be a little bit more creative and to be a little bit more, you know, like think about. Anyone could walk in and just say, oh, hey, what do you think? Mary Nation, what do you think about the team? Oh, the offense sucks. They're not performing like they want to. And just go on and on and on, but that's, that's lame. That's, that's not, that's not thought-provoking. So my job is to every day come in with a different angle, come in with a little bit more creativity, dig a little deeper than just the surface. That's all I'm doing. So we spend a couple days talking defense. That's fine. We got 18 weeks, 17 games. We talked a ton about the offense. Ton. Every time that they don't do something in the second half, right? And that's the thing I really would like to see from the offense is just them score consistently throughout the course of a game. They're usually top heavy, right? They usually score a lot in one half or the other, but they never do it. They never even it out. Like, I would even take, if they only scored 20 points, that's fine. I would, I would take it if they did it consistently over the course of four quarters where they kept putting pressure on. But it seems like whenever they do it, it's always like two, three drives in a row they score, and then all of a sudden they go on a drought. 
I would just like to see some consistent scoring. You know, talk about Josh Jacobs and him being the identity, or at least we thought he was the identity, for the longest. That's the thing about it, man. I mean, I can, I can do five shows and talk about the offense and talk about a different angle every single time, and we do that. So if, if I'm going to give that energy to the offense, I, I need to give the energy to the defense too. And one of the things that I've said uh, quite a bit is I would love to see money and draft capital invested in the defense so they can help out and be complimentary. Like, I don't think that that's a big issue. I really don't. I think that's something that's like a no-brainer. But we'll take your calls and we'll take your text. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. He'll join the show at 430. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings, 6640 North Durango with Raider Nation Radio 920. Tonight, the running Rebels, who are 3-0 on the season, will end their four-game home stand with a game tonight against High Point. Tip-off set for 7 p.m. And the G League Ignite hosts the Salt Lake City Stars. That tip-off also set for 7 p.m. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. How about this cool little note from the Silver and Black? And shout out to my man Mike Taylor sent this over. Raiders are doing a little Thanksgiving meal box distribution Tuesday at Allegiant Stadium. I think this is really cool, man. One thing, and as I was at Allegiant Stadium last week for uh, for the – actually earlier this week, I should say. Matter of fact, it was Tuesday for uh, the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year Award announcement and I made a made a, a pretty big deal about the fact that the Raiders you know really love being a part of this community they're continuing and always giving back to the community that's something that obviously uh, is shown all the time and they're doing that again come Tuesday at Allegiant Stadium they're teaming up with three square food bank and we are too as a matter of fact uh, not only Raider Nation Radio 920 but also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas Fox Sports Las Vegas at 12:30 of the game where DeMond Cotton does his show called the fight game does a fantastic job with that. Check it out when you get the opportunity. But um, we're all teaming together for this holiday season. And so you'll hear some more details about what we're doing with the square but what the Raiders are doing come, uh, come Tuesday at Allegiant Stadium in parking lot G from 4.30 to 7.30. They're doing a first-come, first-serve first, uh, box food. They're just giving out a, a fo- uh, food for uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving meal boxes. And they're going to be distributed uh, by members of the Raiders offensive line and other uh, volunteers are going to be out there handing out food again. Uh, parking lot G from 4.30 to 7.30. Um, 600 meal boxes, as a matter of fact, are going to be distributed. So uh, that's really cool. All participants should enter at Gate 9 from Dean Martin Drive. Uh, and, of course, we want you to be make sure you're safe out there. But just think that it's going to be a really cool event. And 3 Square does a lot of really good things in the community, uh, giving out food. They've uh, they've helped they've helped facilitate so many meals for so many families in the Southern Nevada area. So we definitely appreciate that. But there's going to be uh, 600 meal boxes given out. The players are going to be there helping out. The Raiders offensive line they're going to help out. It's going it's, it's going to be a good thing. So uh, definitely shout out to the Raiders for being there again this Tuesday at Allegiant Stadium, 4:30 to 6:30, uh, handing out meals in the area couple texts that I had to get to. Mailman Raider, uh, sure, we spent money, uh, amount of dollars on the offense, but that money had played 40-odd snaps together, which is true, which is true. That's the unfortunate part. That's something that Josh McDaniels talked about earlier today. 
I mean, the big three that we talked about, and I talked about it in great length, right? The big three, got to get the big three, got to make sure that you you re-sign Darren Waller, got to get Hunter Renfro, got to put them all together. They've played like, you know, I think Vinny said today at the at the um, at the media center, about seven percent of the time. That's it, seven percent of the snaps they've played together. When you look at Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Devontae Adams, it's just not enough. Not enough to actually be that dominant offense that you wanted it to be. They still have weapons. Obviously, Devontae Adams is still a big-time weapon, but, man, Devontae Adams with no Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro is still a great player, but it's a great player and not a great team. That's, that's also a problem. So that's, you know, when you look at the underachieving of the offense, but between the, the fact that those guys aren't out there and available altogether, the other thing is the understanding of the offense hasn't really looked like it's been on the same page very often. Right? Derek Carr doesn't look comfortable all the time. There's moments where he looks great. I think the moments that he looks the best, and DeMond, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think the moments that Derek looks the best is when he's moving. Like when he's stepping up in the pocket, that, you know, when he all of a sudden hits, hits Devontae Adams on a nice crosser and, and Devontae Adams makes it to the end zone. It seems like when he steps up, even going all the way back to the Kansas City Chiefs game, when he steps up and lets that thing rip, he looks really good. It's almost like he's not thinking about it when he's, when he's on the go. He just He's running and then throws. When he does that, whether it's you know, rolling the pocket or stepping up in the pocket, he seems to be really in a good place at that time. You took the words right out of my mouth. Those exact plays that you mentioned were almost even on the play action for some of them, and then he's just able to step up, get a little bit, not a running start, but you know what I mean, just a little bit on the move, and mm-hmm. he just slings it where it's just, the ball comes out of his hands like it's effortless. Right. And, and then you know, those are his best passes. No, they really are. And the, it's, it's so funny. When Josh Jacobs was on his nice little tear that he was on when he was going over basically 150 for three games in a row, starting with that week four game against Denver and then, you know, followed it up with Kansas City. Obviously, that was a loss and then came out of the bye week and had another big performance against the Texans. Those three games, I mean, he was, he was a, a monster, right? He was on fire. And so I remember uh, telling JT while we were right before we started to record the Raider Roundtable at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, uh, I said, I think that the Raiders found their identity. Run Jacobs, run Jacobs, run Jacobs. And I remember the one, uh, not criticism, but the one critique that JT had for him. He said, yeah, that's, that, that's all good. That's all well and dandy if they're scoring touchdowns. But if they're not scoring touchdowns, if they're running the rock, running the rock, running the rock, and all that time's coming off the clock and they're only getting three instead of seven, then all of a sudden you're shooting yourself in the foot. And so as much as that's a great recipe to have that run game and, and be that power running team, if it's not translating in the red zone, then all of a sudden you're in trouble. And that's a great point. I mean, if you're going to have that run-first approach, it's got to cash in. You've got to cash in in the the end zone. You've got to get seven. You've got to get touchdowns. Because if you settle for field goals when you take a lot of time off the clock, then you're almost – you're you're playing defense. You know, you're you're slowing yourself down. So that was always an an area of But the Galaxy brain take of that, you know, even to take it a step further where Mm -hmm. this strategy doesn't work, if you know that you got – if your defense is giving up seven on the other end. Right. That's why it's shooting yourself in the foot. Right. Not so much like, oh, the time of possession, that's great. But, you know, if you finish with three, I know we always say, hey, minus four. Right. But it doesn't matter on the offensive side if you know that, hey, the defense can't get off the field themselves. Right. No, you're, you're so exactly at, right. at the end of the day, you know, comes back. At the end of the day, it's it complimentary comes, football. It comes back to complimentary football. As much as people don't want to talk about it, don't want to hear it, don't want, you know, it's almost like, I mean, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? You know, my mom used to talk, tell me about, and she used to talk to me about uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's almost that same situation, right? You know, you're taking from one, and then the other is going to suffer, right? So you can do all you want to do, 
it's just it, it's 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 kind of like pick your poison. <laughs> you know, we 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 can we can examine things any way we want. We can flip it up any way we want. We can make numbers say what we really want them to say. But at the end of the day, man, if the if the team is not playing complimentary ball, and I mean in all three phases, I don't mean just offensively and defensively. I mean all three phases. If you aren't playing complimentary football, your team's going to find a way to win, lose. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they're finding ways to lose as opposed to finding ways to win, which is what they did a season ago, which is why we started the show talking with Bill Barnwell from ESPN about lucky and unlucky. That's You know, I've seen some people talk about, oh, that's a bad narrative, and you can't say that a team was lucky. It takes skill. It absolutely does. That's no doubt. And I don't want to take anything from what the Raiders did a year ago when they were able to win those last four games, when they were able to go 6-0 and in, in, or 7-2 and in those really close games. I mean, I don't want to take anything because it does. It, it says something to you about not quitting and finding ways to win games. It absolutely, that's 100% true. But every once in a while, you know, when all of a sudden a, a quarterback is out, the, the starting quarterback and you're facing a backup or this, that, and the other happens or the ball bounces your way or a field goal is missed or so, something happens that keeps you in the game. Sometimes it's, you know, I have a friend that says sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And, and there was times where a season ago the Raiders were luckier than they have been this year. And sometimes that's just how it shakes out. Let's go through the phone lines, though. 702-365-9200. Who we got up, Damon? Jacob in Fresno. Jacob in the 559. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, at this point in the season, yeah, I'm frustrated about the money spent on D. But at this point, you know what? Let some let some rookies play. Like, I'm, I'm really high on Sam Webb. That guy did a great job last game. And, you know, at this point, you know, let's try out Kyle Petko. Let's try, try out Deshaun Bauer. Let's see if there. I want somebody hungry in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, Somebody yeah. wants to really fight, fight for a roster spot. And, you know, even with our linebacking core, you know, I know that they're already kind of been out there. But let's have our rookies out there. And, shoot, bring up Reggie Ragland from the, the practice squad. Wasn't Reggie Ragland a fairly decent player? Yeah, he was Alabama, damn good. Right? Yeah, he was, he was damn good. The problem with Reggie Ragland is he's like a, uh, he's like a traditional linebacker instead of the, you know, the sideline to sideline like a, like a cat, like, you know, like a um, – uh, Roquan Smith or something like that. He's really more of the the thumper, the downhill guy, the guy that would wear the neck roll. You know, I mean, he's kind of that guy, the old school uh, style linebacker. And, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to phase him out of the league, but those guys are kind of just, you know, not really. They're not as valuable as they used to be. Let's put it like that. Uh, go ahead. Well, you know what? On first and second down, if he's stuffing the run, then you pull him out of there. I think that he could come in handy. At oh, I this agree. point, at this point, it's just. I want guys out there that want to really play and want to prove something and try and get bigger deals for themselves. Because right now, you know, I'm sorry, the Chandler Jones has just not shown me it. You know, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, corner that we got from Baltimore last year. Oh, uh, oh Arnett. Or, not Arnett, excuse Arnett. me, Averett. <laughs> Anthony Averett. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't shown me anything either, you know. Mm-hmm. And, man, Trevor Moore, I, man, he has took a step back huge and i did not expect that at all from him and at this point let's get guys that are hungry out there that want to play you know even malcolm coons like malcolm coons i thought was supposed to be taking that next step level and he has kind of bounced back or just not shown and you know to talk about earlier about like max crosby about how the defense he mostly is the defense let's face it he's the defense yes it reminds me of how when we used to have namdi awesome the the strategy was you do not throw to his side. You can beat the Raiders. Yep. 
Yep. And that's the same thing with Max Crosby. You don't run it to his side, and you chip block him on passing downs or hold him like they have been doing. <laughs> right. And, don't let, and they don't let him disrupt the game. And that's, that's, that's how you beat our defense. There you go. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you, Jacob. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, I remember those Namdi days, man. Remember, don't throw the ball at all. Remember, the Raiders had, like, the number one pass defense in the league. You know why? Because nobody threw the ball. Everyone ran because they couldn't stop the run. <laughs> but Namdi, man, he was so fun. Uh, man, Namdi in his prime, was that was, that was must-watch TV because that dude could lock down a side of the field. Uh, got one more call, Damon, you want to get to? Yeah, we got one more call. Let's get my man Border Jumper Raider on. Ah, welcome to the show, brother. What's on your mind? Hey, Q, how you doing, man? I'm blessed, man. Yeah, we're all blessed, brother. So I was, uh, I don't know, maybe you've heard it. Uh, I haven't heard it, but you've had callers maybe called in and chime on this. I look, I'm talk, this is my topic about Josh McDaniels. I like the guy. And you know what? I'll, not that it's not so much that I like him, like, oh, you know, I'm fuzzy about him. But uh, what it is is that I, I want to see him get at least three years, give a chance, create some continuity, and see if we can uh, get this ball rolling. Um, there are two uh, football coaches in the past that have at least four uh, Super Bowl championships. Chuck Noll, Bill Belichick, uh, both of them started off below 500 seasons. Is that it? Thought he was in mid-stride right there. I thought he was about to hit me with one more. All right. All right. Hey, no, good stuff. And, and look, that's, a, that's the thing about it. Good, thank you for the call, Border Jumper Radio. I appreciate you. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, no, the thing about it, I think that the, the, the coaching staff needs to have time. I think it's healthy for coaching staffs to have time. Now, I mean, if it's an Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville, yeah, you got to get that guy out of town, right? But I just think even in Denver, I'm looking at Nathaniel Hackett and I'm hearing the rumors about him being on the way out. I think that he should get some time too. Right, and I know we've had this discussion about you know how how long coaching staffs get these days. I don't feel like they get really more than two years, maybe three. Like Matt Rule got what he got three years, and then he was on his way, and then he was out. I just feel like you have to give these coaching staffs some time to have an opportunity. Uh, I hate when they're one and done, just because it's all of a sudden there you go. There's another team, there or another coaching staff. There's another coaching staff. There's another coaching staff. I feel like you've got to give them some time, but I know it's really hard to it's really hard to do that. And I forget who said it. I think Bart Scott said it on uh, Barton Hahn the other day on ESPN National Radio. He said we live in a microwave world. Everyone wants to just pop it in the microwave, hit twenty, and then it's good, right? I mean that's just what it is. You know how many people really want to go to the house and fire up the stove and fire up the oven and start cooking and doing all that and spending a couple times? No, man, you want to go in there, pop something in the microwave, hit twenty, wait for it to be done, sit it on down, eat, and call it a day. That's how it is when it comes to comes to sports. Everyone wants immediate gratification. Want to see everything, you know, just be a, a you know rosy day one. And then you you know you see organizations like the Giants. You see you know the Jets who are technically are in year two with Robert Sala. You see what Coach McDaniel in Miami's doing. And so it's even harder to not ask for for instant gratification because those guys are succeeding right now. So then you look at the Raiders and go, hey, well, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> How come these guys are succeeding and, and, and you're not? So that's, a, that's another issue right there. Matter of fact, Coach McDaniels talked about that earlier today. Uh, Vinny asked him a question about that exact that thing, you know, having that instant gratification and other coaches in the league 
having success and the Raiders aren't having success, you know what that kind of means. If we have a little bit of time, we'll get to that before the show's wrapped up. But coming up next, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. He'll give us the betting lines, tell us where we can win some money. we got him waiting on hold. We'll get to him in a minute. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look at the lines that can help win you some money with Lee Sterling from ParamountSport.com. Brought to you by Joe's Stone Crab, located inside the Caesars Forum Shops, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And Lee Sterling joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things betting lines. And Lee, we definitely appreciate your time. As always, my man, we are in week 11 of the NFL season. The Tennessee Titans go into Green Bay and get a dub on Thursday night. Uh, Lee, I think it's safe to say that Tennessee has found their way and they're back. They are. Um, I think they're a good team, but what impressed me most was Ryan Tannehill. I mean, playing in some tough conditions. It was cold. Mm -hmm. He was on the money. I mean, when you you have a quarterback that hot, the game is over. So, uh, I didn't think Green Bay played that bad. Right. It's just uh, offensive line protected the quarterback, and he did delivered the ball, the ball uh, on time, which is important. And just so accurate. There's a couple of times on throws that are almost impossible to make. He was right on the money to the sideline. So uh, uh, give Tennessee credit. I thought the game plan was great. I mean, controlling the ball and the clock, kept Aaron Rodgers off the field, um, a lot of quick passes. So the Green Bay pass rush couldn't get after him so Mike Gray very underrated coach I mean he gets he gets the most out of his talent I don't think they have great talent on defense but somehow you know he's lost some key players um he's able to motivate his players and put them in in good situations where he gets the the best out of each player so um impressed with Tennessee right now yeah, no, Mike Vrabel does a heck of a job, and those guys definitely go ahead and play for him in a major way. Tennessee's turned it around after having a slow start to the 2022 season. My man DeMond in studio here is a big Tennessee fan, so he's excited to hear that. But let's not give him any more shine. Let's go ahead and look at some games coming up this weekend. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Lee Sterling is our guest from ParamountSports.com. Lee, let's go ahead and talk about the college game right now. How about USC versus UCLA? The Trojans right now minus two and a half versus the Bruins. Thoughts on this one? Now, everyone is all excited about USC football, and I think they're headed in the right direction. I think they're going to be a team on the rise, but right now, uh, behind Lincoln Riley, this is a soft team, and usually I don't hear that said about USC teams. They have a nice offense. They are down Travis Dye. He's out, looks like, for the season, and without him, they're going to have to ask a couple guys to step up here, so uh, they just don't knock you off the ball. They just try to finesse you here, and that's a problem. Believe it or not, UCLA is a physical team. Mm-hmm. Zach Charbon, the running back, they like to pound the ball right at you, and then after they're done doing that, then uh, uh, then they run the option, and the quarterback keeps it, or they push the ball down the field. Both games, in fact, last couple of years, last three years have been high scoring, 87, 81, and 95 total points here. I just think that UCLA was looking ahead last week and got shocked by Arizona, and they're just better as an underdog. They perform well as a home underdog here. I like UCLA. Should be a barn burner. 
but uh, they'll be the last team with the ball, and they'll win. 48-42. Wow, there it is right there. That yep. is a man, a bar burner for real. 48-42 out west. That's a fantastic game right there. UC, USC versus UCLA right there. Uh, I like that, man. Good way to start us off today here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. All right, let's jump into another college game. How about Utah and Oregon? Utah currently is minus two versus the Ducks. What are your thoughts on this one, Lee? So I, I think by the line switching around, the Ducks were favored by three yesterday. Now it's moved to Utah being a two-point favorite. They're kind of telling you Bo Nix is not going to play in this game. So mm-hmm. without him, it's going to be really tough. It was going to be tough with Bo Nix going to this game. Both games last year, Utah not only won 76-16, they dominated the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, when that happens, it's tough. And most of these same guys are back on the offensive and defensive lines for both teams. After you faced a guy twice and lost, do you really want to face a guy a third time? I don't here. So I think the edge here is obviously with Utah here. Cam Rising, 19 touchdowns, just four interceptions, and he missed one game here. I think Utah knows. They know how to beat the Oregon Ducks here. Doesn't matter the venue here. I like Utah. The right team is favored here, 28-20. Boom, there it is. Utah over Oregon. My man, Eddie Pascal, a proud Oregon Duck, is not going to be happy to hear that. But uh, without Bo Nix, Oregon doesn't look like they're going to be able to rise to the challenge of what Utah brings to the table. Again, this is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com is our guest, talking about all all the betting lines for the weekend. And, Lee, let's turn our attention to the NFL now. How about a team we don't talk about that often? The New York Giants off to a really good start to this season under uh, Brian Dayball going up against the Detroit Lions, and the Detroit Lions, in my opinion, are still the Lions. The Giants are minus three versus the Lions. What are your thoughts on this one, Lee? You know, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about the New York Giants <laughs> right. uh, unless, uh, you know, something was going wrong. But here's the thing. This team is playing extremely well. Uh, they just don't make mistakes. You don't beat yourself. You just look at the box score in the NFL. Team with the least amount of turnovers will win like 75, 80% of the time here. I, I mean, the Lions, give them credit. Uh, break up the Lions. Uh, they won two in a row, first time in 36 <laughs> games, and they play hard. Problem is, they just don't have very much talent right. on defense. So I think that the Giants, uh, with Daniel Jones, dual threat, running and passing the ball, is going to create a lot of havoc here with this Detroit defense. And Barkley, I, I think one of the best running backs in the NFL, running and catching the football. So if the Bears had success, just think what the Giants are going to do with, I think, a better quarterback and a better running back. And then uh, you've got to look at Don Martindale, mm-hmm. Martindale uh, defensive coordinator here for the Giants, uh, used to be with Baltimore. Uh, he's going to come up with some, some schemes, and he's going to put pressure on Jared Goff. He's not going to allow him to get comfortable back there throwing the football. And Jared Goff has been known to to turn the ball over. And just when you think he's putting it together, he'll have one of those games where he'll cough it up three or four times here. I like the G-men here. 28-20. Boom, there it is right there. The Giants over the Lions. It's funny you brought up Wink Martindale, man. We had a big conversation just about him yesterday here on the show talking about Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator, and Wink Martindale, who's now currently the Giants defensive coordinator. He is a heck of a D.C., and he's doing some really good yep. things in New York. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com is our guest here. Lee, let's close things out with the home team here. Uh, the Raiders, they're on the road. They're taking on the Denver Broncos. They're on a three-game losing streak right now. Denver's not much better 
Uh, they got three wins on the season. Denver minus two and a half versus the Raiders. How are you seeing this one play out, Lee? Yeah, Josh McDaniels is going to return to Denver. Remember, yeah. uh, the Broncos were off to a 6-0 start in 2009, but Denver uh, did not make the playoffs here. The Raiders, 0-6. I'm sure you've hit on it many times. I've heard about it. 0-6 in one-possession games. They just mm-hmm. got to do the little things. And and, and I, I think they've got a chance here against Denver. Denver, uh, not a great running game. And as we've seen, Russell Wilson, you know, not able to make big plays here. I uh, just don't think that the offense fits him, and also his skill set not the same. Raiders, nice ten and one run versus Denver. So timing, seeing Denver here on the schedule couldn't be any better. So uh, uh, you talk about a quarterback getting hit. Russell Wilson was hit eighteen times in Nashville last week. Jeez. I think the Raiders going to get a few sacks here. We're going to we're going to call for the upset. The wrong team is favored here. Your Las Vegas Raiders pull off the upset 24-20 and chalk down the W. Boom, there it is. Snap the three-game losing streak. Music to my ears and make radio a lot of fun <laughs> around here. Yep. Uh, seeing the Raiders uh, get a victory after losing like they have the last three weeks, and they have had their way with the Denver Broncos as of late. A healthy dose of Josh Jacobs. So we'll see what happens on Sunday, but i uh, like to hear that right there from Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Well, Lee, as always, man, fantastic stuff. Anyone wants to reach out to you, get some more information from you, what do they need to do? Okay, uh, after a rare losing week last week, still have one. Uh, 11 out of 14 weeks, and I found a game in college football, my college football underdog play of the year, a 45-unit play. I rate my selections from 10 to 50 units on our 45-50 unit plays, 3-1 this year, looking to push the mark to 4-1, and one. and I'm not talking about a 1, 2, or 3-point underdog. This is an underdog of more than 7 points. You want to get on it. It will be included in our Baker's Dozen. 13 games combined Saturday and Sunday. Just $97, one place, ParamountSports.com. There it is right there. Great stuff as always, Lee. We definitely appreciate you. Again, that's Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com on Twitter at ParamountSports. Thank you so much for your time as always, my man. Great stuff. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the games and all the action. We look forward to talking to you next week. You too, Q. Have a great weekend. There he goes right there, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. With us each and every Friday, we definitely appreciate him. 4.47 is the time. We're here at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're going to be here for a few more minutes, 6640 North Durango. Come back, come by and get all the prizes that we have left. I don't want them. I want to make sure that you take them home with you. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The Judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. 449 is the time. 450 is the time. It just changed right now. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. We'll be here for just a few minutes. Uh, we talked about a little while ago before we had Lee Sterling on from ParamountSports.com. We we talked uh, uh, about the you know the microwave world, the instant gratification world, how everyone wants to see success immediately. And there are coaches right now having that success. You know, you got the Brian Dayballs with the Giants. You have Robert Sala with the Jets. Even though it's his second year, it might as well be his first year. Uh, so there's coaches around the league. Mike McDaniel there in Miami with the Dolphins, obviously doing really well. And you know, it, it's it's bad for Josh McDaniels because there's so many jokes out there saying, "Oh, the Raiders hired." 
hired the wrong McDaniel, uh, knowing that Mike McDaniel is Mike McDaniel and Josh McDaniels has an S on the end where McDaniel doesn't. So many people mess that up. But he was asked about that earlier. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor actually asked him about that success. Does that hurt, you know, what he's trying to do and try to build here because others look that way and say, well, what about those guys? Um, I, I haven't been able to obviously take time and study that. I think there's so many things that go into a successful day on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> and there's so many things that you would need to have to be, you know, to have a successful start to your year, to have a successful year period. Um, you know, there's, it's not, it's not one thing. It's not two things. You know, there's a number of things that, you know, that you, you work on to try to give yourself an uh, opportunity to win and that you probably need to happen for yourselves. You know, um, some of that is health related. Some of it is, you know, strategy, some of it is, you know, scheme, some of it's talent, some of it's culture, uh, some of it's when you play somebody. Um, there's a lot of things that could go into changing an outcome. I mean, clearly we could have done a handful of things better and we would be talking about a completely different record at this point, but that's true for all the teams. You know, I don't think anybody's out there winning every game by 21 points. And so you take a handful of plays from their games and switch it. And, you know, so ultimately what it comes down to is is what we do, you know, through the week to get ourselves ready and then give ourselves the best opportunity to be right there at the end. And then hopefully we make some good adjustments in the game as coaches, good calls in the game. And then our players are able to go out there and execute, you know, those critical situations to give us the edge. Um, you know, I don't. It's it's hard to say there's one thing, you know, and I have some friends that are doing well right now and I have some friends that aren't, you know what I mean? And it is what it is. And, and sometimes there's um, some things you can really point to and address right away. And sometimes it's just a longer process, you know. And so I, I look at our guys each day and look, they they are they come from different places. They come from different places. Some of them were here. Some of them weren't here. Some of them are young. Some of them are older. Um, and we're trying to kind of all of us together um, get acclimated to a new way of doing certain things. We, there's not everything we do different. but And so sometimes that happens a little quicker than others. Sometimes it does not. You know, So I think the best thing we could do is keep putting our line in the water and keep giving ourselves an opportunity to, to catch a fish there at the end. And um, we've done that. You know, we just got to start, you know, pulling some fish out of the water. <laughs> there you go. Nice little fishing reference right there. My dad would appreciate that. Uh, I'm not much of a fisherman, but uh, there's a nice little fishing reference from uh, one head coach, Josh McDaniels. And that kind of ties in with this tweet that we got from uh, Raider92 at, uh, at Live Your Bet, Bet Life. Not Best Life, but Bet Life. Uh, he said, Q. I've had my nastiest meals trying to rush and put in the microwave. The best meals are when you're patient and let things cook in the oven. Moral of the story, don't rush greatness, referring to the Raiders. There you go. See how that all ties together, DeMond? You like that, huh? You had no idea where I was going with that. I did, and I like the way it tied in. Didn't we have a guest, a guest earlier this week say, I've never been fishing before? Why did I use that analogy? That was Adam Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he did. He absolutely talked about fishing and never fishing, and I don't know why. He said, uh, and he was terrible when he said it, too, the way he worded it. I think he said, at some point, you just got to cut cut your bait. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, no, you cut your losses. You don't cut your bait. That's what he means. You cut your, even I know that, and I'm not a fisherman. When he said that, cut your bait, I was like, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, sir. <laughs> Yeah, man, so it all ties in even more now, you know? Josh McDaniels has been listening to the show. Right, yeah, there you go. Moral of the story, Josh McDaniels listened to Adam Hill talk about fishing, 
he brought up fishing in the in the media session today about they're going to keep putting their pole in the water and hope they can pull out a fish. So there you go. They're going to go to Denver. That's going to be my, my final word. We do that on uh, on Freddie and Fitzsimmons every uh, every time I fill in. We do the close the show. The final word. My final word is, gone. I thought you're pulling the water, man. Try to pull out a fish. <laughs> and if it goes the worst, just cut your bait. You know. And if it goes worse, just cut your bait and just say, you know what? Forget it. Keep the bait. I'm out. <laughs> That's how it is. Anyway, many thanks to everyone here at Buffalo Wild Wings. Thanks for uh, having us. It's been a blast. 6640 North Durango. The drinks are still flowing. The food is still coming out. They're, uh, they're going to be here all night. So if you want to get your weekend started off right, make sure you come on by here and say what's up. Never mind. She just told me, never mind, don't do it. <laughs> she said, no, don't tell everybody to come in. That means I have to work too hard. So, uh, no, many thanks to everyone that uh, had us here. We do appreciate it. Many thanks to everyone who called in, texted Even Tom, man, it's all love, Tom. I do appreciate all the feedback back and forth. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll be back to talk about it on Monday. We'll talk offense and defense and special teams and how the game shook out. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Have a great one.